0: Hello, all. Welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode four hundred, and today we'll be talking about Contagion and Family Shrub from Amphibia. I'm GC13, and I'm David. Yeah, that's
1: right. We we picked out a really important episode of Amphibia for our
0: four hundredth, you know, special. Um... <laughs> I mean, I, I I couldn't not select the first appearance of Emma Planter. The, uh, the world traveler of Amphibia. How fortunate that it was also the next in the list. Yeah, it's like, uh,
1: we get a, hey, there's an entire secret basement underneath the house episode. So that's cool. But of course the planners had to have, you know, some significance and some weird history. Because we can't tell a kid that it's important to care about their family history if their family was just farmers. <laughs> it has to be, you know, more epic than
0: that. I mean, I was I was expecting at first like some lecture from Hop Pop about I don't know just something to say. Oh, they're not just farmers; they were farmers, you, you know. Like, but no, no. Even even Hop Pop seems to agree that farmers are boring. Like, who get this? She was a turnip farmer.
1: Yeah, it it wasn't like when Hop Pop said you really need to understand Bessie's history to drive her and, and him being correct. In this case, he had no idea. Which is surprising that it was hidden. You know, I don't even know how. Did it seem like the basement got older the deeper it went? Because it, it almost doesn't make sense, right? Wouldn't it be newer each level that you went? Because you would have to dig farther and it's like underground? I don't know. What are, what, are, what are your thoughts on how this place is hidden?
0: Well, it depends. It can be... If we're just rebuilding on the same site over and over and over, then it would be oldest at the bottom. But if we're digging to make new rooms, then it would, of course, be newer. I don't think that, I don't think they were thinking that hard. I I, I think this is one of those metaphorical, not literal situations.
1: Right. I mean, you know, it's fine. All of the text in the show is English. Anne can read any book she picks up in the frog world. Like, it's not super
0: deep. <laughs> and for some strange reason, Hot Pop uses the same sponge, or mushroom, I guess, to clean the pots that he uses to clean the bathroom floor and the stable. Yeah, that was
1: an awful detail.
0: Like, yeah, sure, it's it's gross that you ate that, but it's also gross that you scrub your pots with that thing. And it's not like
1: they have soap. <laughs> Or maybe they do? I don't think I've seen soap. Like, it's just gonna be water and that horrible thing. Not even sure why the mushroom is effective at doing it. It doesn't look much like a cleaning mushroom. It kinda had roots or weird appendages that could be
0: used for scrubbing, but I don't know. I mean, Hot Pop is broke, so maybe he can't afford proper sponges? (laughs) He's
1: definitely broke. He could have used IOUs for better sponges.
0: Yeah, but he's not good for it, so... No, he's not. Yeah, so Contajan, the, you know, when she was making the trek to the to the mineral springs with them, and I like that the peak of health, very very nice touch. But
1: right, the peak literally
0: being named health. <laughs> yeah, we're at the peak of health. <laughs> yeah, like literally, that's where we are. But I don't know. I thought when she was carrying them there that they were just messing. With her, Like, I was sure that they were messing with her when Sprig's like, oh, look, I'm sick too. And it's like, I thought they were teaching her a lesson, but no. They were all just getting red legs from eating a sponge, and that was all fine.
1: Amphibia both has, like, conventional twists and unconventional. And this was conventional that everything was okay in the end, but they really held out the idea that all the frogs were dead for a perfect amount of time. (laughs) And also, Anne, like when Anne reveals that she was sick, no one cared. And Hoppa was like, eh, you would have gotten sick anyway. So it's fine. (laughs) You know, like she kind of learns, but also there's no, there was no reveal that they knew the whole time. And there was really no negative reaction.
0: The twist was that there was no twist. Uh, Summer Camp Island did that to me with the Hall of Mooms episode. I made a video about it. I really liked making that one, by the way
1: yeah I mean, once you're deep enough into media, you can do the twist is no twist, which is I don't know a fun effective <laughs> post post modern cartoons, I
0: guess it drives nerds like me up the wall
1: <laughs> um but yeah, man, if you were a kid and you really thought that like you had missed the mushroom thing and you're not really like aware of the Chekhov's gun sort of principle, then the whole flies. Going over them, the sad but dutiful music playing, <laughs> and they, and then they just lie there for like straight up five seconds. I mean, it's, you know, it's surprising they didn't put the same warning on this episode that they put on the season
0: finale, where it's like kids might find some of these images disturbing. <laughs> but oh, I don't know. I, I'm just happy to be back talking about Amphibia. There's just something about the theme song when that, uh, Should I use the word violin or fiddle to describe it? But, oh, it's just so... I love it. It would definitely be uh, fiddle for for the world of Amphibia. Going for the uh, Sprig uh, vibes there. Now, I remember earlier, uh, on an earlier episode, when we were talking about Amphibia, I said, I think that Sprig's, you know, violin or fiddle is in the... In the intro, it's it's not. I realized later that no, it's just on the subreddit banner. So I see Sprague with his fiddle all the time, but not in the not in the theme song specifically. And it hits so great every time.
1: <laughs> I uh, yeah, we've been doing Owl House for a while, and it's like coming to Amphibia and like watching something like Contagion. I'm like, ah oh, yes, this is what season one of Steven Universe was like. Just plotting through these hilarious episodes especially like these pair feel like the type of thing that you write incredibly early on it almost felt like an earlier pitch for the show because it's just so blissfully simple and while the family history does you know maybe connect to things later it's it's like they're just 100 percent focused on the humor of the situation they're not focused on lessons, they're <laughs> not focused on emotion.
0: Yeah, you talk about the you talk about the humor of the situation, and we haven't even mentioned loggle once yet.
1: Right, I mean, so if the the saddest or the most emotionally impactful these episodes get is Sappy, and then you also get a B plot in Family Shrub that is just hop hop trying to buy glue and then getting glue to loggle, and that's it. <laughs>
0: He's having trouble making this decision. You'd think he would just buy whatever he had
1: before. It almost felt like they didn't have that much to write or say. So they were like, what if hop Pop fell and (laughs) just started rolling around in glue? Wouldn't that be funny? help me. Yeah, but like, it's so ridiculous because he doesn't have to roll around on the ground and smack into every shelf. Like it really felt like they were, <laughs> they were playing it way farther than makes sense for Hop-Hop's intelligence. hop Hop-hop, Pop, no, that's more glue. Yeah. Like we get that Hop-Hop is, can be like this, but it's such an exaggeration of his character. So, you know, that's why the, this pair of episodes to me just feel so, it it just feels season one y early <laughs> sketch comedy yeah. type thing, right?
0: Even though like I like I said earlier, I feel like not just the, the layout of the basement, but just the the existence of the basement uh itself is meant to be more metaphorical than literal. Like I would be very surprised if they ever brought up again that Oh yeah, let's like go down to the basement and find a plot important item. I just don't think that's ever going to happen in the series. I think they're just going to pretend that that never happened. But they put pumpkin mutants in the
1: show. Like, why are there plant Uh, mutants? That seems pretty
0: advanced. (laughs) Pumpkin plus brain. I like that drawing. (laughs) (laughs) I like there's a poster that says science
1: and then a post note in the corner that just says more science. (laughs) because <laughs> you gotta remember that you can't just you can't just rely on science sometimes you need more
0: science but i, I liked how pollyanna like oh she wasn't just a farmer she was also a turned up warrior and it's like you see me being a little little bit of a history nerd as well it's like well you know throughout history farmers have been frequently regarded as producing the best soldiers so like to me it's not incongruous at all that she was both a farmer and a really like she got a lot of loot on her campaigns like she she definitely proved herself i mean there isn't a school
1: so polly's not gonna know that so i'll, I'll give her credit that she doesn't know this history of farmers especially of our world who knows if amphibia is a world if they also typically recruit farmers <laughs> for their militias
0: well you need a bunch of people who are big and strong accustomed to hard work and are looking for a nice payday so farmers will do nicely
1: oh speaking of that kind of reminds me of timelines they throw some dates in there you know like when probably a fought the toad invasions do they so there's some implications. There's two that I can think of. There was
0: I it was like what, forty-eight and fifty-three, the Toads invaded in fifty-three in the West. Right. It kinda seems
1: like their timeline is like the way they keep track of years is the same as the human world, so it's like roughly tracking in real time with the human realm and uh you know, somehow I guess they use maybe the same year numbers. This also implies the existence of a of a amphibid Jesus, so that's A thing. Mm. Um, or something happened to make them, uh, yeah, you know, well, I guess they don't put the first part of the millennium, assuming they're even in a millennium. It just seems to imply that it's similar to our world. And if it's similar to our world, then they have an analog.
0: Which is. We don't even know which century that, uh, that took place in, but we know it can't be. I'm just saying, that was some very, very nice weaponry, so.
1: (laughs) Okay, but now I'm focused on the fact that, like, we were talking about sort of light world building, like, they don't think too hard about it. I'm now recalling that in Steven Universe, not within the show, but within a comic, Steven says that the year is 2016. Which means that despite the fact that there's no, like, holidays or seemingly even, like, religious events or religion in, in Steven's world... They definitely had a an event in the year one. <laughs> would they even use eighty I'm just saying this is di- it, mm-hmm. it's disturbing within these other worlds, like I guess you could say that some other major event happened, maybe a gem event happened to make them base their entire
0: calendar around that.
1: um I'm looking for way that deeper works. world building than I need
0: <laughs> I mean traditionally you would before they introduced the modern calendars, the Romans would just say, "Oh." It was the year that those two guys were consul, and it was very common in other parts of the world. Oh, yeah, in the 15th year of king this dude's reign. So if you wanted to have things that went into the 50s or 60s, you could say uh year such and such of the this person dynasty. So it doesn't reset every time there's a king. You can do all sorts of fun stuff. You learn things here with us.
1: Yeah, I'm- really looking for, um, you know, firm understanding of the calendar systems of each cartoon that I watch. So that's, um, an important focus.
0: Look, if Amphibia doesn't go into any detail about the Toad invasions of 53, don't worry, I will make a fan fiction campaign diary. So. <laughs> God. <laughs> probably not a campaign diary. I'll write, write from a historian's perspective.
1: I mean, at least we know that the Toads have been, uh,
0: problematic in the past. Well, you know what they say. Two wise men can share a carpet, but the world's not big enough for two kings. Or two amphibians. Yeah, same thing. I mean, I, I guess I should uh, comment, just, just to be a pedant, I'm going to comment on the ever-lit torches in Pollyanna's room. <laughs> just, you know. It was really nice of them to use that there.
1: I, I actually have an even smaller nitpick, which is that... Uh, mm. Yeah, I know, right? You're like, what? Smaller it's than smaller than that. <laughs> uh, I, now maybe I'm, maybe I'm underselling it so much that it actually is bigger. Um, uh, but when they are riding the cart, when are they even riding the cart? Like, I think it's in, yeah, in contagion when, um, yep, yep. Yeah, they're actually headed toward the mountain. So they, they ride over a puddle. This is in the establishing shot of them riding in the cart and the cart does not react the cart doesn't rattle at all. Like they just animated it where the cart's just going forward. And then when they go into a closer shot where it's like actually just focused on inside the cart, then the cart is like shaking, you know, wildly. And this disturbed me. So there you go. It turns out that sometimes they animate scenes and someone paints a background or draws a background separately. And then when they put the two things together, you might watch a cart roll over a puddle that it would have uh, reacted to. So there you go. I actually found a smaller thing than you did, which apparently that's what you get to in episode 400 of the Lunar Sea Spire. You talk about if the background artist drew something at a different time than the, than the animator, uh,
0: <laughs> because that's valuable. So do you think Anne has abducted one on her phone? Why? Just a a question. Well, because, you know, the trailer for Abducted 2 starts with, My abs have been abducted! And I want to know what they did for Abducted 1 if they weren't going to use that pun the first time. There must have been something even better for the first trailer, (laughs) right?
1: Or maybe... I want
0: to know what that was.
1: Maybe the sequel is where they actually, you know did a better movie right sometimes sequels are better than the originals actually so maybe they had That's a bunch true. of missed That's opportunities true. in abducted
0: okay that that would explain why they wanted to go back and make abducted too oh we didn't make the we didn't have him say the line we, we should have had them say the title
1: yeah either that or like i mean if i was making a horror series like that i would expect that it's incredibly campy and you know maybe they reuse that joke because it's like You're supposed to be watching along, and by the time you're on Abducted 6, you know, the movie's about to show the title card when it's like, they've been abducted! And you know, you're gonna, like, say it along watching the movie with your friends.
0: Maybe they say it all the time, and every time they say abducted, you take a shot. And then at the end of the movie, nobody turns the TV off because everyone's died of alcohol poisoning.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Classic drinking game. We shouldn't talk about Anne's phone too long, because it still annoys me that they made it such a component of the show, and it's just magically charged to 10,000%. Like, that still bothers me. The fact that they're like, oh, we have to make sure Anne's playing a game so that one hop hop can make a joke about it, which is hilarious, by the way, that he's like, I'm not sure <laughs> why I'm compelled to say this, but that thing's gonna rot your brain. That was hilarious. Uh But then it was like, it was only a little... um You know, this is gonna be a real media critic word Uh, cringe That Anne had to play the same game (laughs) On the wall, like, okay You know, that's fine Somehow they set up a, you know Tetris-esque game In the, you know, third level basement
0: But Sudden death round I I liked how they they did Loggle's thing Where absolutely
1: Not (laughs) You know, that was actually a bold choice That they did that Loggle joke Because, uh You know, you could have forgotten that that was Loggle's thing, right? Like, it's an odd, reoccurring joke.
0: Yeah, he he didn't... They should have established earlier in the episode that he did it, but I don't remember that he did the thing. No, I was looking for it.
1: He doesn't do it in the store at all, which would have been... There would have been space for it, you know, as he's, like, talking about various glues. He's like, you should not use this glue or whatever. But yeah, they didn't establish (laughs) it at all, which I found, like, oh, okay, you're rewarding. That shows you this is a show about continuity, right? Even though the episodes are so fun and simple, you gotta you gotta be watching each one to understand these characters.
0: Let's throw in that wrestling term: long term storytelling. <laughs>
1: I love that. That's a wrestling term.
0: I, I want to know. I want to know why uh, Loggle is recommending the strongest glue he has for gluing pieces of paper together on a family tree. I'm sorry. Did I say tree? I meant shrub.
1: <laughs> is is the reason there's a lot of glue at the store like such a variety because simply that like that's the only thing for the store to focus on like that it's it's you know wartwood and it's like well we don't have much of anything but we sure do have a billion types of bugs that produce gooey substances yeah. so we'll just line our shelves with that
0: <laughs> I think that's the joke it reminds me of a Rocco's Modern Life episode where they're Going up an elevator, and every floor, Raka was calling out what's on, and it's always something, something, and underwear. Something, something, underwear. Actually, I think underwear came first, but that's beside the point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess they just... I did i did find it uh, grotesque but hilarious that, it, you know, they just serve it up straight in the carcass of the bug that held the goo.
0: Yeah, no, the, the only thing that was grotesque yet hilarious was what happened to a hot pop when he was reaching out of the goo pile
1: (laughs) oh also grotesque and hilarious sprig's betrayal of the pumpkin monster we were so trained from steven universe that maybe this beast could be loved which made it so funny when sprig you know squints his eyes and (laughs) commits to shoving it back in its jail oh my god that's like that's the type of humor amphibia does where it's like and we're not taking it back either We're not going back. There's no saving the pumpkin monster. It's 100% just going to be locked away forever, even though it demonstrated it was capable of love and kindness.
0: I mean, it looks like Hop Pop released it, so who knows? Maybe it escaped. We can hope, right? (laughs) I'm gonna hope. (laughs) Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Contagian and Family Shrub. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13.
1: And I'm David. Uh, I don't leave us four hundred reviews or something. <laughs> I don't know. Can't think of anything clever to say. It's four hundred episodes, baby. Leave us a review
0: later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarSeaspire.com.